Welcome to the Roadmap to Longevity, where we discuss integrative tools and meaningful approaches to improve your health span. I'm Dr. Gary Huber, Professor of Integrative Medicine for the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine and the Metabolic Medicine Institute out of George Washington University. I'm also a preceptor for medical students and fellows training in integrative medicine and operate an integrative medical practice in Cincinnati, Ohio. I am joined by the multidimensional Chelsea Dorsett, who's a registered dietitian, an integrative health coach, a mother of three, and an all-around fabulous human being. Hey, here's a fun fact for you. You are aging faster than your parents, and you're dying younger than your grandparents. They'll wake you up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, there's a cold slap in the face. Yeah. Hello to all. I'm Dr. Gary Huber, and I'm here with the fabulous <laughs> Chelsea Dorsett. Hello, hello. As we do our first podcast. I'm very excited. How long has this been in the making? We have been talking about this for months, and we toyed around with the idea, should we do a podcast? Should we not? And, and here we are. So Why I'm, do it? Why do it? Yeah. I mean, there's so many other podcasts out there, right? Yeah. Sometimes I feel like a little tiny fish in a big giant sea. But, sure. But I listen to these podcasts, and sometimes I feel like there's nothing actionable that, you know, our patients can learn from these podcasts. Like I, I can't tell you how many times my patients will say, oh, I listened to this great podcast on keto, but now what? I don't, I don't really know what to do. And so <laughs> I really am excited to do this podcast because we are going to give people actionable steps to take and not yeah. just, hey, let's talk about cold plunge. Okay, well, how do you do it? Should you do it? I think that's a very important point. Is it actionable? Mm -hmm. You know, I've listened to, I, I love the geeky science. You mm -hmm. know me, I love the science. So I love listening to all different kinds of people. But there's a mix out there. There's a lot of very bright people like David Sinclair, I think is brilliant, but he's a PhD, mm -hmm. which is great for research, but he doesn't treat patients. Yeah. So he doesn't have any experience in the clinical world. Andrew Huberman, another bright guy, but he's a neurobiologist. Once again, a PhD or no. So there's nothing wrong with these individuals. They're awesome. And they give us great information to work with, mm -hmm. but they don't always have the experience of a clinician, which mm -hmm. you and I have. Yes. And we bring an integrative you flavor. Know, tact, a flavor to a perfect word. Mm -hmm. Because integratively, there are, there are docs out there doing podcasts, a lot of good information. But once again, the answer is always this drug or that drug. And you and I wouldn't resonate with that. My first and best solution is never going to be a drug. Mm -hmm. You and I are going to lean more into what can I do with my lifestyle and my diet and my sleep and my stress. So that's our flavor. That's our jam, it so is. to speak. And what I love about you is, you know, anytime I come to the table with, oh, have you heard about this? And your next response is, show me the science. I want to <laughs> see the research. Yeah. And, and that's what patients need because you can't, anyone can go to Google now and read something on, yeah. um, you know, fasting or a vegan. And, but is there science behind it? And you vet these, you, you actually read the scientific literature. <laughs> and that is so valuable because there's so much information out there. Yeah. And there is so much and I, you hear crazy statistics, like all of the information in the Library of Congress doubles every six months. Wow. Nobody can stay on top of all the literature. Nobody can know everything. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, as we come to do this podcast, we think it has validity for a lot of reasons. And we are not here to say that anybody is wrong. Everybody has their own opinion. We have our own opinion. Mm -hmm. And take all of that, put it in a pot, stir it around, and... Figure out what works for you, because mm -hmm. if you and I are doing our job, we're not going to motivate somebody to do something they're not capable of. Our job really is to 
find that motivation within them, mm-hmm. bring it to the surface, show them how they can activate it for their best health. You brought up a point about vetted information. Yeah. I was talking, we were talking earlier about the Dooning-Kruger curve. If you've ever seen this curve, go look it up on, on Google Images. If I read one article on being a vegan and it said I would live forever, I think, well, that sounds great. Then if I read a second article on being a vegan and I learned something else about cholesterol, I'd say, well, gosh, that's the way to live your life. That's the answer. I've read two whole studies. Yeah. You don't know squat, right? <laughs> yeah. Because there are two other studies that say being a vegan has problems and mm-hmm. challenges. That's the Dooning-Kruger curve. If you have very little information or one podcast or three studies, you are just touching the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. But that can lead your confidence to be huge. Mm-hmm. But it's experience. It's time. It's reading more studies and more studies and realizing over time and experience, you dealing with how many thousands of patients that have come in right. and said, I want to lose weight. Right. It's that experience that we yeah. bring to the table. And we're not just, you know, two people behind a microphone doing podcasts for 40 hours a week. Like you said, we're seeing patients. So we have that yep. real life experience of what are the downsides of doing vegan or keto or what are the downsides right. of cold plunger fasting and the upsides and the pitfalls. So we have that experience of patient to patient real life. Mm-hmm. And the studies are great, but also what's what's real? What's real life when working with patients? And what if it doesn't work for me? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, there's, there's huge variability in human mm-hmm. conditions which makes it enjoyable and fun, but we've got to take that into account. Not every solution works for everybody in yes. every case. Amen. So let's talk just briefly, and this is our first podcast, so we're going to screw it up. Yeah. We're going to we're gonna do it wrong. We've already had some IT issues. Uh, <laughs> oh, what? Yeah. But we wanted to give you some idea for upcoming podcasts about what our format looks like. And uh, basically what we wanted to do is I realize a lot of people, I know myself, if I tune into a podcast and I can see, oh, it's an hour and a half long and ours is not going to be an hour and a half long. Well, if it it is, it's my fault. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's your fault. I ran my mouth. (laughs) But I want to know up front, okay, is this worth listening to? So we would like to do our format such that in the very beginning, in the first few minutes, we tell you the conclusion. We give you the punchline. We give you the answer. Right? So that if you're like, oh, okay, I got what I needed, but I got to run. I got to get my kid to soccer, whatever, uh, that you kind of have that info. So let's do that with this one because today's podcast, Mm -hmm. it's Roadmap to Longevity, and that's what you and I are steeped in. We're going to talk about what is longevity. And one of the first things you'll hear on longevity, oh, it's just your genetics. It's not. Mm -mm. It's not. So- there, there was a, a very famous scientist near, Bizar- uh, Berz- I always get his name wrong, Berzali, very brilliant, but he has studied genomics. And he would tell you this, that people that live to be 100 years and more, as they studied them, all of them had abnormal, bad, nasty, ugly genes that you wouldn't want to have. Wow. So it's not that these people had perfect genes and you don't. Mm-hmm. That's not it. And it's not just environment. I'll give you a couple of quotes from him and some of his work, he talked about uh, environment. He goes, well, it's really not environment. He goes, because 60% of men and 30% of women centenarians are smokers. Oh. <laughs> you would say, well, so they're drinking I, and smoking and yeah, having a good drinking time. And smoking. And living a, living 50% a long time. of centenarians were obese or didn't even exercise. Oh. So when you think about longevity, it's not just environment and it's not just genetics. There's a lot more to it. 
Okay. And you, well, we think it is genes, right? Oh, they just hit the genetic lottery. Yeah, yeah. That's what you think. And my dad says a quote all the time. I love it. He says, it's not the cards you've been dealt. It's how you play them Yeah. when it comes to genes, right? So maybe you do have some, you know, crusty gene and APOE gene, but how? Yeah. what can you do about that? That's... Do you turn it on? Exactly. Do you turn yes. it off? Yes. So that's, that's one of the key points. It's not just your genetics. So everybody has a fighting chance at this. Mm -hmm. And then just defining longevity. You and I don't find longevity as, oh, I live to be 100. We're looking at aging. As I've famously said again and again, I want to get older, mm -hmm. but I don't want to age. And aging yeah. is different. Aging has to do with how functional you are, how capable you are. So can you still do the things you're doing now when you're 90? Mm -hmm. That's our definition. We're going to hit briefly on the Stevens study. That's Haynes data. And they looked at some basic markers. This is a a group of people from across the country, and they said, okay, looking at basic markers like blood pressure and cholesterol and a few other things, only 10% of Americans are metabolically healthy. Wow. <laughs> it's sad and scary at the same time. I love our country, but oh my gosh, America. Oh, if you don't believe me, you know, go to King's Island. Hang <laughs> That's out. true, right? Exactly. Take a look around. Yeah. So understand the environment we live in. And then the most damning thing, and we're really going to break into this in the next couple of minutes here. Um, a study by Papa Nicholas looked at 11 of the most affluent countries in the world, and America being one of them, Denmark, Japan, Italy, many others. And they looked at affluent countries that had good healthcare systems. So mm -hmm. we're not talking about comparing the U.S. to a third world country. And out of all those countries, the U.S. was the worst wow. in longevity. We ranked the lowest. And in fact, we're one of the only countries where our average longevity is in decline. Wow. If you live in Japan, longevity is getting better and better and better. Mm. But if you live in the US of A, longevity is now down to 76 years. Wow. And if you live in Denmark or Japan or Italy, it's well above 80 years. Wow. And that's right? just looking at the number that the age, not quality, right? So not, okay, what's the right. quality of life the last five or 10 years? Because quality is everything. You that's don't want to be- a deal too. Yeah. You know, in a nursing home the last 10 years, um, you want to be like you have said so many times, I want to be on my bike when I'm 80 and I'm 90. And you will be because I've heard you say, to. Yeah, exactly. I've heard you say that a lot. So those are the topics we're going to hit on. And then we're going to talk about, because again, we're keying in on actionable steps. We want you to be able to measure how fast are you aging, mm -hmm. right? So I'm sure uh, Bill's or, or Brent's listening. I'm sure Nancy's listening. <laughs> yes. How fast are you guys aging? That's what we want to know. Mm -hmm. We have a questionnaire that you can fill out that'll give you that information. That and you we're gonna, designed yourself. I designed myself. Based on a bunch of other studies, I wanted a better, more accurate tool. We're going to talk about the Dunedin study and how you can actually predict how fast you're aging. And then we're going to talk about what labs do you want to look at? Because there are a lot of labs that will show you how fast you're aging. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to talk about in future podcasts, how do you turn those those hands of the clock back a little bit so that you're slowing that rate of aging down. That's and, our key. And I think the exciting thing is this, the, the scoring of the aging in the labs, they're infinitely changeable depending oh, yeah. on your lifestyle. So if you get a bad number, you get a bad test result, that's good news. You can change that so quickly. I love seeing how fast the human physiology can change yeah. when lifestyle changes. I mean, it can be a matter of months. Someone can be off their insulin or off their cholesterol meds. So I think you don't hear that a lot. Like you can change this so quickly because the body is so resilient. It surprises it me every time. It wants to heal. It wants to heal. If we stop beating it with a stick. You just got to get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, 
just briefly, Patrick, that you treated mm -hmm. as a type 2 diabetic, mm -hmm. and he was on a dozen medications. Mm -hmm. How fast was he able to get off of his insulin once you started working with yeah, him? Three weeks. Three, three weeks. weeks. And he said, I was never told I could get off my insulin. I was never told I didn't yeah. have to be a type 2 diabetic. And there's just so much hope in that in such a short amount of time. So it's it's really exciting. Yeah. It doesn't take years and years. No, it takes years. It could take years and years to get there, but it yeah. can take you know weeks and months to to reverse all this. So that's the exciting part. So those are our conclusions. Thank you for tuning in. We are now <laughs> no I'm kidding. Um, this is this is fun for me. I got a nice hot cup of coffee. I'm sitting with one of my dear friends and talking about stuff that I am absolutely passionate about. So mm -hmm. with that being our intro bullet points let's get into talking about longevity mm -hmm. um you and i have looked at numbers if you're 30 to 50 years of age living in the united states there is a 50 percent chance that you're already on one drug wow just 30 to 50 years of age if you're 60 years of age there's a 75 percent chance you're on at least one drug mm. okay our country loves drug therapy we're we're steeped in it, mm -hmm. but that's not our idea of longevity. When you look at centenarians or people that live into their 90s and 100s, just are doing well, they also die from diabetes and heart attacks and strokes, mm -hmm. but they don't get any symptoms until they're into their 80s and beyond. Mm. They're not on drug therapy in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. That's huge. Mm -hmm. So you and I look at that, or when somebody comes in, they go, yeah, I'm hypertensive, I'm diabetic. Okay. Let's reverse those things. Yeah, right, absolutely. And that's that's a different concept than the physician that says, "Oh, well, then here's your medication." Because does medication reverse the disease? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say we were the biggest drug consumer in the world, and the question is, is that working for us? Are we the healthiest country in the world? And the answer is no. I mean, we consume. I think you said fifty percent of the pharmaceutical drugs in the world, but yet yeah. we're not the healthiest country. So, is the result working? And if you look at the the CDC's top ten reason why people died in twenty twenty three cancer, stroke, heart attack, diabetes. Mm -hmm. If you look at 1910, what are people dying in or dying from in 1910? The flu, pneumonia, infections. It, infections. Right. it wasn't cancer and heart disease and diabetes that no one really had even heard of that. So um, I think you're exactly right. Yes, we, I mean, we don't, we're not against medication by any means, but it, it's um, it's kind of our first go-to, but without saying, hey, you can change this, you can reverse this. Well, that's what a lot of, what people don't understand is when you go to medical school and you're learning to be a physician, nobody teaches you about diet and stress and sleep and exercise. You're not yeah. taught that. Mm -hmm. You're only taught what drug treats what disease. Mm -hmm. That's all you're taught. So our culture is largely driven by a pharmaceutical industry my goodness, go, go look at the S&P 500 if you're into investments and look at what the most prosperous companies in America are. Mm -hmm. The pharmaceutical companies rank really, really high. Yes. And it's interesting. Well, one of the studies we're going to look at, um, the Papa Nicholas study, looked at prescription habits. And in fact, I've got I've got some some details to that. Let me scroll down to that which should be in the show notes we will put all these yeah we'll put we'll put some of these things in the show notes um pharmaceutical sales per capita in the united states on average and again this is looking at a broad range of people is fourteen hundred dollars per year per person wow compare that to switzerland which by the way was the second 
highest user of prescription drugs, and their annual cost per person was $939, 35% less than Americans. And then when you take all the other countries in that study, the average is around $749 per person, half, half of what we spend in the United States on pharmaceuticals. We have the highest prices on pharmaceuticals. You, How many people do you know go to Canada to get their bioidentical hormone or go to Canada to get their statin or get their whatever drug because it's cheaper? Yeah. All right. When you look at new drug development, we are number one, baby. We, <laughs> For one. We rock those numbers. Yeah. 111 new drug compounds per year wow. in the United States. Switzerland is the second most prolific developer of drugs, and they only, only develop 26 per year. Wow. And then everybody else falls in line behind that. So- like you said, we are only 5% of the world population, yet the U.S. consumes 50% of all the drugs made globally. A lot of drugs. And if those were awesome, we would be lean and healthy and live the longest. And that's the key. Let's look at the Papa Nicholas study because that shocked me. When that study came out, I literally, my jaw literally dropped. Okay. In that study, they took 11 of the most prosperous countries. They took countries that had great healthcare systems, all right? And you, you, I'll show them on the, on the show notes, but you know, you got France and Japan and Germany and Australia and the US and, and others. And then they rank them in terms of who spends the most money. We do. By a lot. <laughs> By a lot. We spend, we spend <laughs> We're money. We're the winner again. We're the winner. We spend the most money. <laughs> Look at smoking and alcohol. Mm. I want to be French. Well, yeah, exactly. Okay? <laughs> Number one on this scale of 11 countries, France had the most smokers and the most drinkers. And you look at that, in the U.S. on smoking, we were second to the bottom. Wow. Meaning our culture says smoking is evil. You shouldn't do that. It stinks and you mm -hmm. should stop. And why are you doing that, Bill? Mm -hmm. That's our culture. And you think, well, gosh, that has to translate into more years living. Nope. When you looked at longevity, we had the shortest longevity of anybody in the list, and France outlives us by six or seven years. Wow. So our conclusion Smoking, is- Smoking, drinking, eating So our conclusion for today is move to France, smoke more, drink more, and that's the wrap. <laughs> yeah. That is a wrap. That's a wrap. Well, it's amazing. You look at those numbers, you go, come on, man, there's got to be a reason for that. Yeah. Um, but it gets worse. Don't worry. So the CDC back- in 2023, just last year, reported, oh, by the way, that report that said our average life expectancy is 78.8 years, um, actually, it's down to 76 years now. Wow. All right. That was in 2023. So it is going down. And you've got to look at those numbers and just be stymied. Now, I'll ask you straight up, and I didn't, I didn't prep you for this. Why do you think, compared to those countries, mm -hmm. our longevity is getting shorter and shorter? If I had to use one word, um, and even though I'm a dietitian, you would think it would be diet. <laughs> I honestly think it's stress. I think stress is the foundation to everything because that makes us want to eat more. That makes us want to drink more. That makes us not want to exercise. So yeah. foundation to everything is mindset, stress, and then that leads to all these bad habits. I think that's one of the reasons why we're not living as long. What do I, you think? I do. I, I hear that a lot when I talk with my patients. So how are you exercising? How are you? Well... You know, I'm stressed, and then here comes the the reasons why I feel stressed. Mm -hmm. And so because I'm stressed, I don't have the time to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. And I get home from work and I need a glass of wine. 
and chips. And then after the wine, of course, my inhibitions are lowered, so I eat the chips. Mm-hmm. And then I stay up and watch, you know, Netflix because I'm binge watching this great series. <laughs> yeah. And we start. You, it starts to feel like just that's my life. Yeah. I I can't change it because the stress that other people are imposing upon me mm-hmm. is just deafening. Yeah, almost right? a victim of our stress. And I hear yeah. a lot of people say, it will be better when I retire. <laughs> and I, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, gosh, you have all this wealth built up, but where's the health? I mean, there, you have this wealth and now when you're retired, there will be no health um, because you're spending so much time being stressed and, you know, not exercising and drinking and things like that. The same stressed out brain that you developed in your 30s and 40s is the same brain you're going to take into retirement. Yeah, and so if you true. don't have work to stress about, you'll stress over something else, mm-hmm. and and that's what we tend to see. But I would agree with you. I would say stress diet. Our culture is that we go exercise maybe when we go to the gym mm-hmm. occasionally for maybe thirty minutes, maybe an hour, mm-hmm. but we don't move. Yeah, if you're not in the gym, you're seated at your desk, you're seated in your car, you're seated at your couch, you're seated. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't believe we don't have more butt ulcers from all the sitting. Yeah, flat. but that's yeah. a big part of it. So, what I like about that is it's actionable. We can make change. We can have an impact. This one startled me. Infant mortality. The U.S. had the highest infant mortality, five point wow. eight deaths per thousand live births, mm. when the mean of those countries was three point six. Huh? Not crazy. Yeah. Even maternal mortality was higher in the US. Wow. With our great healthcare, I just found that surprising. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I want to back us up real quick. I mentioned the Stevens study. This was uh 8,700 people across the country randomly selected and they were assessed based on their blood pressure, their glucose, their triglycerides, their exercise, their smoking habits. And that's where our government doing this national survey said that uh, it used to be about 20% of our population was considered metabolically healthy, mm. and now it's down to 12%. And these aren't even strong measures, right? There's much more intensive labs and assessment that we could make. So even with these very simple measurements, um, there's not a lot of health people out there. Mm-hmm. And you've got to begin to look at the culture around it and say, well, what the heck is driving that? Mm-hmm. Because right on the tail of our poor health is Alzheimer's. And it's funny, well, not funny at all. When I talk to patients, more patients are scared of Alzheimer's than are scared of cancer. Yeah, you're 100% right. And because it's like, you can't do anything about it. Right. And you watch your mother or a family member go through it and you go, holy moly. Mm -hmm. And early onset Alzheimer's is on the rise. It's up 300%. Early Alzheimer's, Early onset means it's happening in your 30s and 40s. You're how old? That's terrifying. I'm 35. That's terrifying. You're right. People your age and people in the next five years of your age are starting to notice the onset of Alzheimer's. Wow. That's scary. It is. It is. So I'm glad we could cheer up your day today. I was going to say, we're kind of Debbie Downers. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about the good news. Just understand that that's out there. Okay. Mm -hmm. But- This is what we really want to hit home is what is your rate of aging? There was a very interesting study, the Noonden study. It took, this was incredible, 954 young people, and they followed them from birth to age 38. The odd thing or the amazing thing was the retention rate on that was like 95%. Hmm. So they followed people for 38 years. Now, a 38-year-old is pretty healthy. Mm -hmm. 
But they did some labs and they checked vitals and they looked at a few basic biologic markers and they ranked people as these people appear to be aging fast. These people appear to be aging slow. And then they looked at a number of different parameters. And in fact, the labs they looked at were basic cholesterol, glucose, CRP, CBC, chem 14. This is just your kidney liver function. They followed weight. They measured fitness, vitals, and gum health. That was it. Okay. But based on that, here's what they found. If you had bad labs and bad fitness and bad blah, 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 they had marks there. And that's part of what we use when we created our aging uh, score. They found that people that were biologically older had poor cognition by midlife. Mm. This is only age 38. Physicality, they could do less, less flexibility. Mm-hmm. What do you like to do? What's your what's your activity that you love to do? Biking. Biking. Yeah, absolutely. And taking the kids to the park. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. What if you couldn't do that very well at your young age of 38, which you aren't even there yet? Right. That would be, yeah. So they were seeing changes in that. And then they also looked at um, vascular and brain. They looked at some vessels in the eyes and they were beginning to predicting vascular disease. And the last part I love, they took pictures of these people and Mm. they gave it to a blinded audience and they said, just how old do you think these people are? And all these different photographs. And the people that scored better, the people guessed their ages as younger. Wow. So the appearance of how they looked. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. So this this is a pretty famous study, but it's what we build our aging score on. Mm-hmm. Let's talk more about that because I think that's such a great um, next step and actionable item. You developed this aging score. It's on our Hip Evo website. Um, and I think it's a great tool. It takes a little bit of time to fill out, but this will give you a good idea of where you are at this moment. It can change at any time, but um, it's a really good kind of in your face number. It's a mirror. I think that mm-hmm. here's where I am. And when I filled it out, I even caught myself like lying a little bit. I'm like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> like, and I'm filling it out. How much do you drink? Yeah. Uh, not much. It just depends. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I think it's a great store, but tell us uh, or a score. Tell us more about this and where can they get it? And um, so, I think it's a great tool. So hiphebo.com, that's our educational website. There's a lot of great tools there. And you posted that on there mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. So you can you can pull it up, just put in aging score. You got it uh, in the articles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So it's in the articles. And like Chelsea said, it's a little long. Mm-hmm. I looked at it this way. The the study, the Dunedin study was pretty short and they had good results. But if we add in more detail, we get a more accurate picture. There are other groups that have tried to assess your cognition. How how sharp is your brain? Mm. Do you have the brain of a 50-year-old or the brain of an 80-year-old? Um, how is your fitness? So the score itself looks at six different compartments. Cognition, fitness, your vitals, your nutrition, uh, uh, certainly a lot of exercise. labs, exercise, fitness. So it looks at different compartments Mm -hmm. and most of it is just you answering questions. Okay. Mm -hmm. How many servings of vegetable a day do you eat? Mm -hmm. How How many hours of sleep do you get? How many hours of sleep and those kinds of things. The fitness test, I find surprising how many people are resistant to doing it. If I asked you to just tell me how many push-ups can you do in two minutes? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I don't think I can tell you that. <laughs> Mike's use is I'm pregnant right now, so <laughs> none. How many push-ups can you do without peeing yourself? <laughs> yeah, exactly, none. <laughs> so, um, but for people that really want to know, that is a great tool. It's a very sharp tool. Mm-hmm. 
it'll give you some. And here's the whole idea of that score. It's not that you're going to show it to me and I'm going to say, oh, you're terrible or oh, you're awesome. It's not it. You're going to see yourself. Yeah. Right. The whole idea is for you to show yourself where are areas where I'm weak Mm -hmm. because I don't want to be a person in that Haynes study. I don't want to be in the Papa Nicholas study where my aging or my my rate of aging is high. So the whole idea of it is to shine a light on where the weakness is in your physiology. Absolutely. And it, right? like I said earlier, it's infinitely changeable. You can change that at any time, those areas that you're weak. Yeah. That's the exciting So where part. was your biggest weakness? Um, Probably exercise, to be honest. <laughs> so the nutrition, obviously, I nailed sleep, all that. But yeah, the exercise, definitely. Um, Yeah, I need to sharpen my game on that a little bit. <laughs> I, um, I've, I spent 20 years as an ER doc. And when you do that and you work night shifts, your ER becomes, I mean, your sleep becomes garbage. Yeah. And it was horrible. And it's one of the reasons I left emergency medicine. I could feel my brain melting. It wasn't working. It was fuzzy and foggy. And um, and I knew I needed to make a change. And when I left emergency medicine, one of the key things I said to myself is, your sleep is yours and nobody else's. Mm-hmm. And you have to make it better. And I did. I really worked on it and it got a lot better. My brain, my cognition improved. But even filling out this, I recognize, you know what? There's not that many nights where you sleep straight through the night without awakening. I would awaken once. Like most people, oh, I get up and I pee, but I go right back to sleep. Yeah. We make excuses a we little do. bit. Yeah. And it helped me to fine tune my sleep pattern because I want to be able to sleep straight through the night at least half the time. So for somebody even like myself who has reasonably good habits... It helped me to focus on where did I need to make improvements. Exactly. You eat way more vegetables than I do. I love a good vegetable. (laughs) And I know better. And I eat vegetables. Yeah. But you still do way better than I do. (laughs) So this is not a matter of creating a perfect score. Mm -hmm. It's highlighting where do I have room for improvement? Yeah. Most importantly, you do it and then you do it again. And then you do it again. And you test yourself again and again and again. And what I like about this score is they had, um, or this, this test, is they had a bunch of different labs that you can measure yourself on. And uh-huh. and these are more integrative labs. They're um, like a two-hour postprandial insulin test or a more in-depth lipid profile test. So I think looking at what you would recommend as more integrative um, in-depth labs is important to really assess cardiovascular health too. What's your insulin? What's your blood sugar? Um, yeah. So those labs I think are important to get. And if you haven't done them, you can certainly obtain those very easily yeah. through our, our website, hipivoshop.com. So hipivoshop.com has the all the labs you would ever need. So it's array is broad. It is by far, and I mean by far, at least 50% cheaper, if not more, mm-hmm. than any other lab site on the internet. And we intentionally created it that way because we don't have it out there. It's not, it's not a huge income stream for us. That's not why it exists. Mm-hmm. So we can get these tests at a very inexpensive price from LabCorp mm-hmm. because you're paying cash. Yeah. And if LabCorp was here right now, they would say, oh, we don't have to wrestle with your insurance for reimbursement. No. Oh, then that test is a dollar. Right. Okay. Right. So they really, they really cut their pricing and we cut, kept that low pricing intact mm-hmm. so the patients could afford to do this. Yeah, absolutely. I find the insurance model difficult, mm-hmm. right? And, and nothing's more frustrating than going to get a test or a surgery or an appointment and not knowing ahead of time what the hell you're going to be paying for it. Right. It's like buying a car and then later saying, well, here it is. <laughs> just bill me. <laughs> just bill me. Just bill me. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's scary. So, so hipivoshop.com, you can order any of the tests 
that we recommend. And if you go look at the aging score, which is in the article section on hippivo.com, it'll list uh, the tests that are recommended uh, to look at. And you can do a simple panel. Like if you just wanted to do the cardiovascular panel, there's some of these panels are bundled. Um, you could just do the cardiovascular panel and then check your hormones and you get a pretty good picture. If you really want to take, you know, the, 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 the 20 foot dive, then get the longevity panel. It will look at every meaningful parameter and really give you a, an insight as to how fast you're aging, which is important. So how do you think we did overall? I hope we did good. <laughs> I think we did great. Our first podcast, check. <laughs> uh, so hopefully we've given you some actionable steps. And the actionable steps would be do the score, get yeah. an idea of how fast you're aging. Mm -hmm. Look at those six components and dig into one or two elements to say, you know what? I'm I'm just going to narrow my focus to this, whether it's diet or fitness or sleep and improve that area because it will ultimately result and improving your overall score, mm -hmm. which will slow down your rate of aging. Um, and then the other actionable is get some labs, get some meaningful labs. And if you're saying, oh, yeah, I get those, don't work. Yeah, that's cute. That's absolutely adorable. <laughs> but it's not not enough detail. Yep. It doesn't cost a lot of money to get some detailed insight. Mm -hmm. uh, looking like you said, insulin. Check my testosterone. Yes, women, you do have testosterone. So do men. Um <laughs> Checking those labs or just, you know, really peeling back the cover to yeah. see how's how's my body operating. It can be easier to live our heads in the sand and not know and just say, oh, everything's fine. My doctor said it's okay. But are you optimal? Is it? Oh, my gosh. How often do you see that? You do with corporate health mm -hmm. labs all the time and people come in with their labs and. And they're shocked to learn that they're diabetic and they just had a fasting glucose test that was normal. But then we tested something much more in depth and, and you're saying, oh, gosh, Bill, actually you're, you're type two diabetes and it's been missed. So, yeah, it's looking at more in-depth labs and not just, hey, here's a fasting glucose once a year, because that is one data point. It's so shallow. Yes. One time out of 365 days. How many times have you seen in a group of people doing a corporate health challenge that the men come back and their testosterone is low? I mean, really low. I mean, I would say 85% of the time. And 85? Which you, I mean, 80? Most wow. of the time. There, and and yeah. the guys we're working with yeah. are... And it's never been measured. No. Right. And you say, hey, Bill, your your testosterone is like 200. That's horrible. That's going to affect your blood sugar, your ability to lose weight. It's going to affect your cognition, your energy, just so your many heart. things. Yeah. And they go, well, you know, my doctor's never measured it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. No, so, I totally agree. Yeah. So these are things that are all it takes is a little blood and we can see a lot of, mm -hmm. lot of things going on. Where do we go from here, young lady? Well, I'm so excited to talk about what we will be talking about um, over the next several podcasts. So we're going to have one podcast a month, and we have just endless topics, endless topics. We're, we're going to be talking about everything from, of course, nutrition and diet and what to eat and what not to eat, in, in our opinion, but also fun things. I think like cold exposure and sauna and meditation and breath work and EMFs. And there's just so many cool, fun topics that you can use as tools to help enhance your longevity. And that's how I view this as you have one giant toolbox and maybe someone leans in more to the fasting exercise and not as much nutrition. But yeah. I feel like our job is to give you all these different tools and you get to decide which tool do I want to use the most often? What's your biggest hammer? Yeah. So that's, I'm just so excited to talk about all these different fun um, topics coming up. 
I was the worst faster on the planet when I first started fasting several years ago. I mean, I couldn't go six hours without oh, whining yeah. about it. Yes, <laughs> I had a jar of peanut butter next to my bed. I'm with you. <laughs> uh, and it's amazing how your body can change and you get used to that and you get really good at it. Mm -hmm. But I was, I was horrible, man. I was that classic guy working in the ER that I had to eat every two to three hours or I would get hangry, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. And so it's interesting when you start to look at these topics. And here's what I want to do too. We want to have Q&A topics from time to time, mm -hmm. where if you've listened to podcasts on grounding or fasting or cold immersion or any of those, uh, and you have questions, I would like to get to the point where you're emailing us your questions and we'll spend one podcast just bringing up the oh, most asked questions Q&A, and kind of breaking it down to what you know our integrative approach to it would be. Perfect. Right? I think that's a great idea. Because if we're not providing you actionable answers, then we're missing our mark. We don't need to be here. Neither mm -hmm. do you. Yeah, because there's a lot of podcasts out there. But there, are, there are. So we <laughs> want to make our mark. We want to be we want to be actionable, realistic, and something that you can use to actually change the direction mm -hmm. of your health. Absolutely. So, well, thank you everyone for tuning in. I'm really excited to 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 start this and get it rolling. Good start. And if you've got uh, notes, criticisms, we'll accept them. We may not uh, abide by them. Send them to Doctor Huber. <laughs> send them to Doctor I'm a little. Uh, my skin is not as thick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, for being with us today. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Bye now. If you would like to leave us a message, ask a question or have a comment, please feel free to reach out to us at help at huberpm.com. That's H-E-L-P at H-U-B-E-R-P-M dot com. Thanks.